You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Adobe Radio and Jabberjaw Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. And this week, we have Mr. Dale Crover, a living legend on the show. Once again, we've had several, and Dale is just a fantastic, awesome dude. He was so fun to talk to, and his contribution to music is immeasurable in my mind. Um, just an amazing dude, so prolific been in so many bands he was you know part of the beginnings of nirvana um definitely of course the melvins who influenced so many bands and are still to this day one of the most unique bands i have ever heard and just an awesome chance to talk to dale and go over a whole bunch of stuff we talked about the melvins of course we talked about the new album uh it's called pincus abortion technician and this album has two bass players. So it has the Butthole Surfers bass player, Jeff Pincus, as well as Stephen McDonald as well. Um, so two bass players on this tour they're on, two bass players on this record, and the record is amazing. Uh, Monica has sent it to me. I was able to listen to it before the interview, so we were able to talk about that as well. Uh, but like I said, totally stoked to bring you guys this interview. Dale's an awesome dude, totally down to earth. We had a great chat and super stoked to have him on the show, and I think you guys are really going to like this episode. Um, so let's get some business out of the way. As usual, we are on PeerPleasurePodcast.com. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. Everywhere podcasts are available. I definitely want you guys to tell a friend about the show if you like it. Definitely give us a rate on iTunes. Subscribe to the show so you don't miss anything. You can always pass over episodes if it's someone you're not interested in hearing, but I do recommend if it's someone you don't necessarily listen to or are into all this show is about is conversation so 
a lot of times you're going to find something you like on an episode of someone maybe you never heard before. And that's why I try to bring on some people that are up and coming as well as people that are established because I, I just believe in conversation. I love talking to people and I love bringing you guys into these conversations and maybe not teaching you something, but but maybe you learn something from these conversations you didn't know before or maybe some insider perspective from people that either you listen to or you don't, but people that have been around the block and are putting out the creative spark in the world. So I definitely recommend just listening, you know, giving each episode a shot. I mean, even if it's someone you don't listen to, I absolutely recommend that. That's how I find a lot of people is through podcasts of people I've never heard before. So uh, anyway, let's talk about rockabilia.com. Rockabilia.com, over 500,000 items for you to choose from, all licensed from the bands. There's Melvin's stuff. There's Nirvana stuff. We talk about that in this episode a lot, too. Uh, some Kurt Cobain stories and everything else. You can find all that stuff on rockabilia.com. And the code is PC Jabberjaw for 15% off your order. So definitely head over there and check out the good people at rockabilia.com. Um, big congratulations to Rob and Samantha, who won the merch giveaway for the rate and subscribe contest we had going on. Um, we had a bunch of people participate and they were chosen so congratulations to samantha and rob i know you guys listen to every episode and that merch is on its way to you so thank you very much and definitely like i said tell a friend tell a family member hey check this show out and maybe they'll stick around maybe they won't but uh, it's good to get the word out and word of mouth is priceless in my mind so once again uh dale crover from the melvins the new album pinkus abortion technician is out now on Ipecac. They are on tour. They're doing two big leg tours uh, of the U.S., so they're going to be hitting everywhere. You guys will always always have a chance to see the Melvins when they go out. They really tour extensively. So without further ado, big thanks to Monica uh, at Speakeasy PR for setting this up. Without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Dale Crover from the Melvins. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Cool, man. Well, uh, welcome to the Pure Pleasure Podcast, Dale Dale Crover from the Melvins. Uh, how's it going? 
going it's going fine and dandy. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Are you home in uh, live? Yeah, well, it's, it's not live. live right no, no, no. <laughs> no, we can edit out whatever and and uh yeah, it's it's this will this will come out uh just like probably a week or so after the new record comes out. Oh, great. Great, 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 great. So, uh, yeah, I'm at home. I'm I'm uh, home here in Los Angeles. It's actually uh, nice out. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, it, it, it had been raining here for a while. And so, really? So, uh, um, yeah. You know, not not rain, rain like like you're calling from Portland. Right? Yeah, yeah, I'm calling from so, Portland, so it's raining right yeah. now. <laughs> it's not rain like there. Yeah, okay. I mean, uh, people don't know how to handle that. But it's funny, even though it's rained a lot, people still don't know how to drive in it here. <laughs> <laughs> they never will. It freaks out. Yeah. Everybody freaks out. God, it must be like when it snows up here where everyone loses their mind. Oh, yeah, I couldn't imagine. Here, if that happened, oh, the city would be shut down forever. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a disaster. It'd be a huge disaster, for sure. Seriously. I, I can't even imagine. I've been to L.A. quite a bit, and it's, uh, yeah, I people drive like crazy down there anyway, but especially for Oregon. Like, Oregon, everyone kind of merges over really slowly. Like, it takes them a good quarter mile to change lanes. In L.A., it's just battleground. Yeah. Well, the one that, that I always, my pet peeve about driving is people that don't accelerate when they're getting onto the highway. Uh huh. You know, it's like going up some on ramp and they're doing 30. So you have to get to 65 before you get to the top of that damn thing. Come on. Step on it. So I take it you're an aggressive driver? Uh, no, that just that one just bothers me. But no, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm, um, I, I just kind of let it go. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> I try to help people out, but sure. you know, sometimes they just they just uh, you know they can't. Plus, you don't want to hawk at anybody here. Somebody might shoot you. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! Yes. Oh my God! I don't know which is worse up here or down there for that kind of stuff, man. It's crazy. I work uh, come from music, but now I work in construction, so I I work with a lot of people that are very. Uh, uh, outspoken about guns and everything else. It just seems like I'm surrounded by people that are strapped all the time. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, they were really kind of aggressive and, and, uh, uh, they were, uh, um, um, really uh, bad road rage was in Germany last year. I noticed that like a couple times and I don't know what we did. I think maybe because we had English plates on the car, uh-huh. You know, maybe because of Brexit or something. But anyway, people were just like, you know, like, like trying to cut us off. And, and, um, God, this one guy, it seemed like he wanted us to pull over and like get out and fight him. And it's like, you guys, okay, you know, not just not me or, 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 uh, uh, a couple of guys that we we're with are big dudes. I'm like, you don't want these guys to get out of the van. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A couple of our roadie guys are pretty big, you know. One of them is a Scottish guy who would totally, you know, tear him a new one, I'm sure. Yeah. Jeez. Are you guys still, uh, is Cliff still tour managing you guys? Yeah, he has been. He's, um, he, um, kind of, he missed out on Europe last year. He's been working with uh, a perfect circle a bunch too, but, um, so he's going to miss like this first batch of touring that we're doing, but then he'll be there on the second round. Okay, man, I was stoked to see him when you guys came through last time because I I had uh, I was a big ISIS fan and everything and uh, Red Sparrows and all that stuff and and uh, oh yeah 
Yeah, I, I I think I interviewed Buzz last time you guys were in town with Spotlights, and uh, oh right right right. Yeah, so that was a amazing show, by the way, and and uh, yeah, what a what a great bill. But um, you guys are doing things a bit different this time. I mean, we we can jump back too, but two bass players yeah. on this record. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, we played with uh, Jeff Pinkus before, obviously. Yeah, and, and did a record with him before, and. Um, you know, we we uh, wanted him to come out here and record with us and do specifically. We wanted to do some of the songs that we we're doing live, which is uh, "Stop" next with uh, "Moving to Florida," uh-huh. and then another Bajo Soper song. And then I, I think our idea was maybe to come up with like four songs and do an EP with them. Okay. Uh, and then and then it just even stopped by and then it turned into a whole record <laughs> all of a sudden we had all these different songs going like oh yeah oh we should do this oh we should do this. and so you know our idea of an ep turned into a full-length record and then you know just playing with those guys in the same room we're like oh this could totally work yeah you know, we should do we should do this live and so yeah that's how that happened you know <laughs> yeah so you well, you guys have done the the two drummer thing. You've done two guitars. Like, have you ever thought about yeah. doing all of it at once, <laughs> just like an ensemble, just a huge? I big... guess we kind of have with with the with that uh, the Phantom of Melvin's big band. We've yeah, done that. I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, and actually, you know, we've done shows a long time ago. We we did shows with two bass players. So okay. at one point, we had Lori and Joe play a show with us together. Oh wow! Okay, uh, but yeah. Yeah, it was only one gig, but this will be great. We're going to do a whole tour, a whole couple of tours. <laughs> yeah, you so, guys, yeah, you guys still tour like crazy. Like the the, uh, how is touring with a family now? Um, well, it's harder certainly, but at the same time, I need I need to pay the bills, so I yeah. got to work. <laughs> yeah, well, you I mean this something you worked that. out in advance and everything else with the wife and and uh, like this is what I believe I'm gonna it or not. Believe it or not, we planned the whole thing, you know, <laughs> which, uh, which, which is, you know, most, uh, uh, most, most things don't happen like that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We actually planned it. We actually planned to have kids. Okay. And neither of them were accidents. <laughs> 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 hey, I was, so it's yeah, okay. There you, know, you go. Cool. Not going to, you're going to break the cycle. <laughs> right. Right. So. Um, but yeah, it's harder, but then at the same time, um, well, I could at least explain this to them to where it's like, see, I'm actually home more than most dads because, you know, if I had, and I figured out if I had like a, uh, eight hour a day job that I did for the whole year, you know, nine to five, nine to five job or whatever, uh, Monday through Friday, and then added some vacation. Well, then I still had, I would be gone more doing that than I would if I do what I do now. Sure. Know? Which is, we do about three months touring out of the year, usually, every year. Man. And then uh, this time, which is not that much. I work three months, and most people work, what, you know, way more than that. Yeah, that's half a commercial fisherman's job right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's hard work. Yes, you know, that is hard work. Harder than touring, I would, I would, I would imagine. I've not done the commercial oh, yeah. fishing part, but I watch that show every once in a while. And Jesus Christ, those guys! Right? Yeah, but you're in. I mean, it's you're true. in all over the world. You're seeing. You're seeing it to see so much cool stuff. I mean, through your whole career, I mean, I can only imagine the stories you have from the road. But uh, 
I mean, sort of, but when we're traveling, I mean, we're there to work, you know, yeah. mostly. <laughs> I mean, we try to do fun stuff every now and then, but, but you know, you're there to work and you're there. That's, that's why. And, and, um, that in itself kind of keeps you going, you know? Like, oh yeah, that's why I'm here. I'm not, I'm not on vacation. It's not really party time for me. So it's all around me. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, um, you know, because we are the party when we come to town. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are, you know. People come to the show because they want the party. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're the host. They want to cut loose. You're yeah. the you're the vessel for them to cut loose and, and forget about the shit they did that day. Exactly, exactly. So, and then we do that every night. So, <laughs> yeah, it's an important job. It's an absolutely important yeah, job. Right. I mean, it's it's uh, I. I can only, I mean, you guys have put out so much material and, and I mean, just done so many, I mean, your career has been, I mean, pretty impressive, Dale. I mean, it, from the things you've done with, with, uh, from, from the beginning till now, just been absolutely, you know, uh, from influence to, to, uh, I mean, you've just done some, some really cool shit. I mean, when you look back at your, your career, I mean, it's, it's really impressive. And uh, yeah, thanks. That's yeah. one of the big reasons I was stoked to to chat with you today, was because I mean, there's so much to talk about. Um, you know, I want to jump back a bit and and kind of start from the beginning a little bit and and just kind of and move through it. But uh, I'll see if I can remember. Okay, <laughs> where did you where did you Chinese. grow up? Did you grow up in Aberdeen? I did. In okay. Aberdeen, Washington. One, yep. one so, question about that is: Did is there a good side to Aberdeen? Everyone just seems to just kind of gloss over it as just this miserable existence. But I mean, was there a good side to Aberdeen? Um, well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, <laughs> we always say how much we hate it, but then if we had come from, I mean, you know, if it hadn't been for there, then things probably wouldn't have been the, the way that they are. Sure. You know? <laughs> so I don't know. I mean. Um, Certainly, I don't think we could do, we couldn't be in a band and stay there, you know, there's no place to play or whatever, but, sure. but I mean, it is pretty, it is pretty weird that, you know, not one, not two, but three bands that actually came there, came from there, put out records that were on major labels and, and, and were somewhat successful. Yeah. Oh, and one of the du- one of the Doobie Brothers is from there too. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's like a hotbed for all these crazy musicians. You know? Sure. Grunge rock. Well, it's Doobie a perfect Brothers, environment, isn't it? I mean, it's a metal. small town, not much to do. I mean, once you kind yeah. of find something like music, you latch on to it. Sure. I mean, I mean, I suppose it's not it's not probably not too much like any place else growing up. Any other small town, I'm sure. Yeah. But. <laughs> okay. And I mean, because your kids right now are growing up in in L.A. You're growing up yeah. in Aberdeen. I mean, do you see an advantage to growing up in the small town environment, or is it kind of like, well, this is what we're dealt? Oh, I don't know. I mean, things are different now, anyway. But you know, we used to be able to go ride bikes every place, and and certainly like where I live now, my kids can go ride bikes. Yeah, they could, but but uh, I don't know. <laughs> it seems like that <laughs> changed all of a sudden too. Where I used to same yeah. thing. My parents were like, "Yeah, come back nine thirty, ten o'clock, okay," and it's like nine in the morning. Exactly. And it's like what? <laughs> Right. All right. We'll see ya. Yeah. Know, didn't really care where you were. Didn't even ask what you did. Just, <laughs> my mom, if, if my mom wanted me, she'd just lean out and go, Dale, and then I'd hear and come home. <laughs> those are the days, man. Those, those are long gone. You can only imagine yep. what happens out there. You send your kid out on their bike at, at 10 in the morning and just say, come back whenever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Well, 
what about <laughs> what about school years? Like when when did you meet Buzz? Did you meet Buzz during high school? Um, I was in high school. He was already out of high school by that time. Okay. Um, and well, uh, both Buzz and our first base player were from the neighboring town Montesano, which was ten miles away, mm-hmm. further east. And um, I met those guys through. Well, I had, I had actually seen their band play before I joined a couple times, but then I actually met them through Chris Novoselic. Okay. Those, those guys were friends with him. They were roughly the same age, but they had met him because Chris worked at this. Uh, he worked at a Taco Bell in Aberdeen. Okay. And some, somehow, I think maybe they had a mutual friend who was like, hey, you got to check out this tall, freaky guy that works at Taco Bell. <laughs> and, and so Chris kind of was in the Melbourne, sort of. Or at least that's, that's what he said at, at high school. I remember one time he was like, oh, yeah, I'm in this band in Melbourne now. I'm like, oh, so cool. He joined those guys. Wow. But um, he really, I mean, he was really just friends with them. And, and I saw him play a show, and he just came out and played one song. So <laughs> wasn't really in the band, but was playing with them, sort of. Yeah. But anyway, um, um, those guys had decided that they uh, were, were going to get a new drummer. And, and since I knew Chris, and they, he brought them over to my house, and that was that. Wow, that quick! I mean, that's I'm I I know what you're talking. He's he is a pretty tall dude. I met him in Astoria here with uh he was playing with that new band, his Giants in the Trees. Oh and, right. Uh, and I'm six five, and I I turned to the side, and he was standing right next to me, and I was just I had to look up as at six five. I had to look up, and I was like, Jesus Christ, he is tall. But yeah, what uh, is he like six ten or something? Yeah, it's something something crazy, and uh, and that band was really good. But so so I know <laughs> firsthand what you're talking about that that tall dude from Taco Bell. But of course, a much right. different person now. But uh, so yeah, thank you. Well, I, I was friends with his brother first. His brother was was uh, same age as me. Okay, and so yeah, that's how I met Chris. And they came over, and uh, it, that was that. You're in the Melvins. Pretty much, it was like, oh, hey, we're looking for a drummer, and they'd actually seen me play before mm-hmm. um, in this uh, in this cover band that I was in. So, what? like, they thought it would work. <laughs> so, yeah, we started playing, and that was that was it. And that was that. And did you guys start touring pretty much immediately, or did you guys start just hashing stuff mm-hmm. out? Oh no, no. I mean, you know. I knew that those guys had actually played shows out of town when I would join. Like, oh, that, those guys actually play like Olympia and shit like that. So, um, <laughs> um, we played a bunch of, we'd, you know, mostly like Olympia, Seattle. Okay. Stuff like that. We never came to Portland then. I have no idea why. If we could never get a show there or what. But we never played Portland until after we moved to San Francisco. Okay. It was really weird. You guys play the state, is it the state theater in Olympia? The Capitol Theater. Or Capitol Theater, yeah. Capitol Theater, where you can either play on the stage facing the backstage for the small shows or turn around and play towards the actual room. I think Right. Yeah. But when we lived there that place when we lived there that place wasn't having shows like that. Okay. You know. There was a place right across uh, almost right across the street from it called Gasco where they're having shows. It was like a big a big old kind of car garage. Okay. So um um but yeah, we uh, um, so we played a lot of shows around Olympia, Seattle. Okay, you know, for 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 gas money. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for a long time, and you know, I don't. The first time we started to it, well, yeah, I mean, I guess I joined the band in '84, and we're doing, you know, we're, we're trying to tour in like '85, but you know, that kind of touring meant like 
going to Reno and playing in somebody's basement for a bunch of people and, and, and you know, at, at some party. Yeah. <laughs> or trying to get shows down in California and, <laughs> and, and, and kind of playing some shows, but, um, you know, not uh, they weren't all real super successful or anything like that, you know. Yeah. Lots of breaking down on the van and stuff like that for a long time before we actually uh, uh, started making any money. Sure. And having people actually like the band. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Before it became the massive band it is now. I mean, Jesus Christ, the the amount of bands that have been I mean, I the Melvins and Fugazi, I think are the two most uh whenever I've talked to musicians on this show who influenced them, it's either Fugazi or the Melvins, it seems like it's crazy. Like the amount of reach that uh, that you guys have have achieved as far as influencing other bands and and uh, you know where did you even any, hear about this? Does anybody ever say Fugazi and the Melvins? No, it's never Fugazi <laughs> and the Melvins. It's Fugazi <laughs> never, or the never. Melvins. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and the only two now people who did not say Fugazi that. were Ian MacKay and Brendan Canty, <laughs> because that would just and be neither, weird. Right, and neither of those guys said that they were influenced by the Melvins. Correct. Those are the only exceptions <laughs> to the rule. Neither of them said the Melvins are Fugazi. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. That was... <laughs> anyway. But, uh, so, when you, so, so, Melvin's started out, you're doing shows for gas money and all that stuff. When did you and, because you did some stuff with uh, Kurt and that, that Fecal Matter band you did before Nirvana, right? Yeah. And that was before you moved to San Francisco. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was probably about... 86? 86, okay. Something like that. And how Sometime you, around 86, I guess. How did you guys meet? I met him not too long after I joined the band. And it was, um, I joined the band in like August of 84. And then in September, when school started back up, um, I met him, actually, well, I mean, I met him through Buzz. I remember those guys were came over to my house to practice one day. And they'd taken the bus from Montesano to Aberdeen, and they saw Kurt on the bus, and uh, and uh, they knew him from Montesano because he had lived there. And he was a little bit younger, but um, actually, I think I think Buzz knew him from like baseball or something weird like that, Little League okay. baseball. But uh, um, anyway, um, they see him, and and uh, they're talking, and realize like he's he now plays guitar and stuff like that, and they're telling him about our band and all that stuff. And, and, um, and, and when they came to practice, they're like, Oh, we just ran into this friend of ours. You should, he, he goes to your school. You should meet him. He's a really cool guy. And so like the next day I met him. Small town. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he started hanging out with us and, and then, you know, that he got into punk rock through, uh, buzz and, and the band really. Okay. You know, he started going to shows, hanging out with us, and going up to Seattle and going to shows every once in a while, and listening to music together. <clears throat> there was maybe like a handful of of, uh, of of people in Aberdeen that we would hang out with together, and mm-hmm. he was one of them. Okay. And um, you know, and that's uh, obviously that's how he met Nova Selich too. Was was through those guys, through the Melvins. Wow. Okay. And um, you know, actually, Nova Selich had. Uh, there, there, way he started playing with them is because 
I had done this demo tape with Kurt, and it was just kind of to put his songs on tape with drums and everything. Uh-huh. And, um, and you know, he was hoping to put something together. So that's actually how uh, uh, Chris had heard that stuff and started playing with him. <laughs> okay. This is the stuff. So, hey, he got me my gig, and I kind of got him his, you know? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Well, it's so funny how stuff like that works out. I mean, things go yeah. different ways. Some things explode and huge, and some things, you know, are a steady rise. Some things, I mean, it's just crazy to think about how how things start that way. I mean, it's just so easy, it seems like. So simple yeah. and innocent, yeah. and it just takes off. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms, They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, They have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working, as most people are, online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, Uh, You want to get those people paid when you put that music online, and splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits, and all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, You can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers. Tier one, 
tier two and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad free experience. Tier two gets you access to the peer pleasure pass cast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the past cast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the past cast. The past cast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest. Uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of, of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month. Cause I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. It really wasn't. I mean, we're, we're talking about a very short time period, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, of, of lots of things happening in, in just a couple of years. Sure. Uh, pretty crazy. And it changes the trajectory of your life. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. If, so, if someone didn't take the bus that day or, you know, like it could have been completely different. It's absolutely right. crazy. And you think about all these first little bands that you're in how in your case some of these i mean really were important versus you know five or six bands a lot of musicians are in that never go anywhere and never you know amount to anything until they finally find that magic you guys kind of touched so many things that were went on to become huge it's crazy yeah, that's very strange. But I mean, so you guys recorded those demos, and is, is that stuff that that stuff that predated Bleach? Then that was, uh, but that was like the early Nirvana, right? That wasn't the Fecal Matter demos. No, it was Fecal Matter. Stuff. Okay, was, I mean, I actually recorded a demo with Chris and Kurt though after that. Oh, okay. But, um, the Fecal Matter stuff. I mean, there's a couple of those songs that ended up being Nirvana songs. I yeah. mean, they were all Kurt songs anyway, so that you know, you know, whatever. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. It cool all just stuff. carries along. And then you ended up you yeah. ended up playing on Bleach too, or, or was it recordings that they ended up putting on to Bleach? Yeah, those, that was from the the first demo tape that I recorded with the, the actual band. Okay. Man, the three songs are on that, and then they they took the rest of the songs and spread them across a couple of the different records, and yeah. I the box set and kind of a. a an odds and sods type of record with a bunch of uh, B sides and things like that. Okay. And the the, the one thing that that uh, I uh, well you're the I think you're the third third person I've talked to on the show that was friends with with Kurt. And the one thing I ask is is 
what's something about i mean when someone goes to that level of of success you know you know him personally the world thinks they know him personally um i asked patty right. patty Schemmel this too um what was something about him that people got wrong or um maybe didn't know as far as like just how he was i mean a lot of people are are uh, always think they know more about it than others as far as people that didn't know him at all but was there anything like... really yeah he had a really funny twisted sense of humor that's what patty said you can, patty you can said kind of see hilarious. it in some of his art totally totally man i mean he wasn't you know i yeah i don't know what people think i mean i guess whatever's put out there by media and stuff like that you know sure um tor- tortured artists tortured genius artists yeah whatever but uh um but no, he was super funny. <laughs> cool. And yeah, yeah, uh, uh, real, real uh, uh, black humor. You yeah. know, like like he used to take uh, uh, statues of the Virgin Mary and and make her all all uh, demonic looking and bloody and and uh, <laughs> like the Exorcist and stuff like that. Or um, he lived a block away from me and he had this apartment building. Um, and there was a big window up the second floor and there's this big window and he had taken a, a baby doll and like, like painted it, you know, like made it look like Alice Cooper and, and, and hung a noose around its neck and it's like oh, bleeding like right in the front window, you know, <laughs> like was, I'm sure his landlady was just like, oh, God. Yeah. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> the hell Stuff like that. Into? <laughs> Man. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, he he could he could uh, he, I mean, he's a good artist. He could draw really well. Yeah, I have uh, um, I have I have cartoons that he made that um, where, where I'm in one of them, and, he, and he's like, he, you know, he he drew me really well. Nice. <laughs> and you still have so, you still um, have all. And he's funny. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. I I don't get I don't get rid of anything. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good yeah. in your case. I mean, your stuff, your the stuff you're holding on to. I mean, has a lot of historical value musically, and and uh, I mean, I can only imagine. <laughs> like I said, I can only imagine the stories you have, both of of touring and and that whole that whole area of time. You know, where we were so it was just things were starting to explode, and and uh, I mean, and and so you ended up getting. You guys ended up getting a uh, the Atlantic deal through Kurt, right? Was that was that or so his? Yeah, more or less. Did he just kind of because uh, you guys were at that point were well, already out of Seattle, that area, right? You were out of the we grunge were, we area, were. but but I mean, you know, well, by the time that those guys blew up, major labels would find anything, you know. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't know it was going to be the next big thing. Yeah, so um, we got signed because uh, I got hooked up with these lawyers who uh, had done um, Mudhoney's deal. <laughs> and uh, they were guys that actually lived in the Bay Area. Um, and, you know, there's, certainly because of all that stuff, there was, there was interest from a bunch of different labels um, in our band. And But we went with Atlantic because they seemed like the most realistic about everything, knew what the band was like, um, didn't seem like they had, you know, expectations that we were going to be some... Um, multi-platinum band. You know? yeah. I'm sure they would have liked to, but but they didn't quite look at it like that. Mm-hmm. You know? Which 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 uh, uh, made more sense to us because you know it's like I'm sure we could have went with some label that were that, that were like we're going to make you guys the next big thing. You're going to be you're <laughs> going to be the next Nirvana. 
when, when we knew that, that there was no way we would be ever, and, yeah. and that that's, certainly wasn't what we were shooting for, you know. Yeah. And we knew that the whole thing was 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 like, you know, this is a weird time for music right now that, that people are interested in this stuff, and and it's, it's an opportunity that will probably never come along again. And and though we even know that this, this probably won't work, it doesn't really matter because we were already doing fine on an independent label and even before any of that stuff exploded at all we were able to tour and and actually make a living doing this so you know we knew that if it failed it wouldn't matter yeah and you guys knew who so, you were i mean you went into it with the right mindset right. and you knew right you even with atlantic even with atlantic they're like okay we, you know I mean, the impressive as this was, it was like we know you guys are already an established band. You've already done this on your on your own. Um, you know, just you'd, you'd make us look cool <laughs> if you guys were on our label. <laughs> Which is, I mean, is basically the truth. Like you know, you, you guys help us, we'll help you guys. Yeah, and they certainly wanted to try to sign a bunch of other bands too, and a lot of bands were adamant about signing with major labels because they were they were going to get ripped off or whatever you know yeah yeah funny that independent bands were more worried about getting ripped off from major labels when it's actually the independent labels that weren't paying anybody <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know <laughs> they had more to lose right i mean we were we were treated fair and square through that whole uh atlantic period okay know? And so what was it like doing the Melvins with money? I mean, where you had actual budget behind you that was, you know, probably was like great. never we seen. Got to, we got to record in real studios, <laughs> you know, for more than for more than four days at a time. Yeah. You know? We got we got to make a record that that wasn't done in four days. You know, we actually had a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. In an actual studio. I mean, even, yeah, even with that, you know, the, I think the most time we spent on the record was probably three weeks. I think Stoner, which was probably three weeks, we spent three weeks sitting in A and M studios making that record. It was great. You know? But then at the time, there were certainly bands that were, were spending six months sitting in studios like that making records and spending tons of money. Oh yeah. But um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we didn't. <laughs> well, if you put guys, that money in our pocket. <laughs> yeah, if you guys were recording in four days, usually, like you went to the studio with songs ready to roll. So, oh, yeah. so you weren't in there for six months writing a record. You were just recording it. So did that change, or did you always just hit the studio when you had the songs done? Oh, yeah, that way for a long time. Okay. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't until in most recent years that we were able to, like, actually sit and write in a studio because, well, we didn't have one, and now we do. Yeah. So, you know, and, and it's, it's a little, a little more uh, cost-efficient to have something nowadays. Sure. You know, you can do it with the, with the technology that's there now. Yeah. Um, you know, so, like um, the upkeep isn't so bad. Plus, we've got a really good engineer who knows what he's doing. So that, that really helps, too. Okay. And you guys, so you guys are all in Los Angeles now. So did we are. You guys, so you guys went from, like, within 10 miles of each other, like Aberdeen, uh, Monsanto, and then to San Francisco and then Del so you guys have always been in the same area as far as a band or has there been times you guys have lived in uh, opposite states and had to you know write that way or you've always had that convenience of being in the same spot well when Houdini came out um, we um, I lived in San Francisco Buzz lived here in Los Angeles and then the bass player that played with us Mark lived in London so oh shit okay two, so that's quite two surreal. different continents <laughs> yes. 
without so, all the file you know, sharing. We, we, right. Yeah, I know. I know. We couldn't. We couldn't exactly uh, uh, rehearse through Skype or anything like that. Yeah. No, no, no FaceTime rehearsals back then. <laughs> so we would just do it together. now in L.A. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I but don't want to get in the get, car. Here get we together. Go. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, then we just blow it off. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, we would just get together and do whatever we had to do, you know, rehearsing for a record or for tour or whatever. But, yeah, it's it's nicer now. We, just, we, we all live in the same city and, and practice like a regular band. <laughs> sure. <laughs> cool. Do you guys you know? have like a... Uh... I guess so. You guys just put out record. I mean, you, there's some years you put out multiple records. Where it's, it, is it something you guys are just constantly writing and and uh, putting out material or, or just generating material? So you guys have you, you guys. Uh, there's been a couple years. I think you guys have put out more than one record. And yeah, probably. So I mean, is it just something that's constantly going, like just constantly writing and writing and writing? Um, you know, to where um, you're trying to put out a record a year at least. Sort of, I guess. Okay. I mean, you know, well, I mean, it's always nice to have something new to tour off of. Sure. Um, so, yeah. I mean, but even with this new record, like, we recorded this. We started recording this last year when we were doing uh, last year's record. <laughs> yeah, okay, the double uh, record. Yeah. Yeah, we were doing that record. And we're well into that by the time that Jeff Pinkus came here and we started this new record. We didn't finish the whole thing, but we re- recorded most of it, you know, like while he was here just about a year ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then also at the same time, I did a solo record. Okay. Uh, and then there's probably some other stuff. I think Steve McDonald did a solo record too that we worked on. <laughs> probably some other stuff I'm forgetting about. So, um, yeah, I mean, we kept me busy, you know. Steve McDonald has his own studio too. We recorded some stuff there. We're, I mean, this time of year is the time that we usually work on recording. We, we won't or too much because because of the weather yeah the weather's you know? awful yeah so we stay home and record <laughs> yeah and and yeah um i don't know um you know we, we, we definitely have stuff recorded for whatever future release we have coming out whenever whenever that might be man that just seems super convenient just having everything right there i mean you don't have to travel necessarily you have an idea, you can go lay it down, you've got, I mean, it's, it's just so much different we, than things used to be, I'm sure. And we plan ahead like responsible adults. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that crazy? A bunch of rock and rollers doing that? That's totally weird. I don't think that's ever happened. I mean, that's, you know, yeah. Planning. That's what's weird. <laughs> yeah. That's what's weird about our band is we're actually responsible. <laughs> exactly. That's why you've been around so long. Melbourne's. The most responsible band ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's the new shirt for this tour right yeah. there. Responsibility yeah, responsible. equals Melvin's. Right. <laughs> That's what you need to fucking sell. You need to make Melvin's day planners on this next tour yeah. and just, yeah, just line it out. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about this new record, the Pinkest Abortion Technician. Sure. like. Uh, you told me how it came about with, you know, jamming with the two bass players and then it was going to be an EP turned into a full length record. You guys recorded it yourselves with your engineer, right? We did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, um, what I was going to tell you about it. Um, uh, both Steve and Jeff wrote a bunch of songs for this record. Okay. So I even wrote a song for this record. 
Now, cool. do you not write much for the Melvins as far as songs go, or is it mainly Buzz? Well, Buzz has so many good songs that, 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 that you know, um, I don't need to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I write songs and stuff all the time, but then his stuff's so great that, you know, yeah. There's, okay. there's, never, a, uh, there, there's, there's never a lack of material for us to play. Sure. Sure, you've got a constant flow from Buzz, and, and everyone just kind of peppers whatever else in. Right. But actually, this record, he, he has the least involvement in songwriting, probably out of any other Melvin's record. Interesting. I probably shouldn't have said anything to see if anybody will even notice. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then again, we have got some other pretty good songwriters on this record, um, Lennon, Lennon and, and McCartney, uh-huh. a couple of English dudes. Yeah. Um, um, uh, yeah, uh, 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 Paul Leary and Gibby Haynes wrote some songs. <laughs> um, um, uh, you know, the, the cover songs, that is. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just a couple guys so. from over in Europe. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, actually, their song, there's, there's two, uh, uh, cover songs that are covers of a cover on this record. One is the, the James Gang cover of Stop, which was, uh, I can't remember the two guys that wrote it, but it's like an old kind of R&B song. Mm-hmm. You probably know it. Stop. Baby, I don't know what the hell's going on. Um, and then uh, um, there's the uh, uh, Beatles song, I Want to Hold Your Hand, uh-huh. but uh, we do it in, in the style of uh, moving sidewalks. Oh, okay. Moving, moving sidewalks for uh, that's Billy the ZZ Gibbons Top. from ZZ yeah. Top's first band. Kind of like uh, they're. I think they're very in- influenced by the Thirteenth Floor Elevators. So it's like super psychedelic, good stuff. Yeah, like they, they have uh, uh, their records are, are available now. Um, you can find them pretty easily, and it's good. It's really good. Okay. But I think that was the band that Jimi Hendrix saw and said that. He thought Billy Gibbons was a really awesome guitar player. Oh, there's a compliment for you. So, Jesus. Yeah. I think Billy Gibbons <laughs> gave her, or Hendricks gave him a guitar. Really? Yeah. Man. Yep. I they knew they jammed together. together and stuff, but man, I, uh, it was that? Yeah. I was some, some show with Billy Gibbons uh, live at someone's house or something like that. I forget the name of the show, but I think he was talking about oh, live, at Darryl, live at Daryl's house. Daryl's house, house, yeah. House. The, guy, the, guy the guy from Hall & Oates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, dad, I, my dad called me up and said, you need to check this out. I saw Hall & Oates get inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Really? At, at the same time that Nirvana did. Shit. <laughs> yeah. I kind of, I kind of wonder, like, if if Cobain would have would have appreciated that or not. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how. I mean, because he was, he was what twenty seven when he passed. Right. I mean, that's I mean, think yeah. back when you were twenty seven, where your mind was at, and what what you found important. And I would, I've I've seen like the age progressed photos someone showed me at work or something of what he would look like now. But I wonder what what he would think of all that. Yeah, that's a good point. Where well, I'm just a hundred. I'm just a hundred percent sure that he wouldn't have been into the the being on the same deal as Hall and Oates. I don't think he was a Hall and Oates fan. You know? Yeah, 
But yeah, I know he was he not appreciated it or not at that point after you know having a career that spanned that long of actually you know now it's all posthumous. But the you guys are getting inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame the same time as Hall and Oak. <laughs> all right, <laughs> so, but Kiss got inducted at the same time too. So yeah, and everybody in the E Street Band, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> All at the same time. So, yeah. So, did you um, see that on TV, or were you there? No, I was there. I was there. Holy shit. That's awesome. Yeah, because of Nirvana. So, what yeah. is an event like that like? What is an event like going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony like? Is it just surreal? Um, or is it just so, I mean, no. ushered through, this happens, bop, 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 and you're done? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. You know, I mean, I I don't know. I've never been I've never been to a, an award show like that before. So, but it, you know, it's not like I guess it's not like it was an, a real a real award show because you know who won. You know, it wasn't yeah. like going to the Oscars or something like that. Maybe more like the Emmys because they had a bunch of booze and stuff like that. Yeah. So. And you get more time know. to it speak. Was, it, was, <laughs> it was it was it was it was strange being there. Yeah. And it was funny seeing seeing a bunch of different people. Um, I saw Kurt's mom and sister there. Okay. That was, was kind of interesting because I hadn't seen them in, in years. Yeah. Um, um, you know, and yeah, and, and nobody recognized me because I wore a suit. So it was cool. <laughs> Incognito in a suit. Totally. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. You put on a suit, comb your hair, and no one knows who you are. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That makes it super easy in LA. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I know. I just put on I just put on a, a baseball hat and some shades, and I look like an undercover cop. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh my! I could God. be walking around. I could be walking around with Buzz, and and you know, we'll be someplace, and they'll go, "Hey, Buzz, oh man, oh, can I get a picture with you?" And I'm like, "Yeah, hey, you want me to take that for you?" Yeah. <laughs> they don't even re- they don't realize who I am at all. You know? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny about that. When I was interviewing Buzz at the end, I was uh, I was going to have him do a quick identifier at the end and say, hey, this is Buzz, you're listening to, Mel- or you're listening to Pure Pleasure. And he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, Dale's way better at this. And he called you over, oh, yeah. and you grab the mic, and you're it, like, this is Buzz from the Melvins. <laughs> this here is Buzz from the Melvins. <laughs> it was amazing. I think I left it on there because it was so hilarious. I don't even think I said anything about it. I was like, it, and it, it, I got an email or two about it, like, was that really Buzz from the the mel- that said that yeah. I was like no no but it could have been I don't know and I just played it off but Jesus that was funny uh, he has he has me do it for him a lot because he'll always flub the words <laughs> so he says yeah or maybe he, or maybe he just likes me to humor him by trying to imitate him you know that's some, probably some some slack jawed lo- local yokel voice like <laughs> hey man this here buzz Osborne from the mail and you're listening. Dude, <laughs> he just wants to know how you're going to say it every time because he knows it'd be different. Yeah, <laughs> man, there's a few different styles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dale, dude, I appreciate you coming on the show, man, and and uh, I don't want to take up much more of your time. I wanted to, you know, chat about the new record and and chat to you about your amazing career. I mean. Uh, I'm sure it's it's different from your eyes, but from from our eyes, I mean, you've done so many amazing things and been a part of so many influential things, and and uh, I mean, I just it's. Thanks. A, it's I mean, a, I'm 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 happy I'm still doing this, you know. Well, absolutely, still going, and it's 
and and uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it's uh, funny to think about that I managed to make a career out of pretending I know how to play drums. Sure, there you go. Well, you're <laughs> pretending. You know how to play drums. You're a force, dude. Behind that, yep, kit. got you fooled. Oh shit. <laughs> Well, dude, I appreciate the time and I appreciate your contribution to music and all you've put out and continue to do. And, and uh, it's just been a pleasure to talk to you, Dale. And, and uh, I'll let you go and get back to your to your evening. But uh, All right, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, buddy. Talk to yeah. you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Dale Crover from the Melvins. Uh, I learned a lot in this conversation and just a fun time talking to someone as down-to-earth as Dale you know, he's in a unique position where he is such a, such a great back catalog, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that want to talk to him and ask him a lot of questions. But at the same time, he's just a regular dude, and he has fun with it, has fun with the interviews, and uh, just a blast. And uh, definitely go back and listen to the episode we did with Buzz from the Melvins as well. That was a fun one, and Dale actually did the identifier at the beginning, pretending to be Buzz from the Melvins, saying, this is Buzz Osborne, you're listening to the Peer Pleasure Podcast. I think we talked about it on the episode as well. Uh, but check out that episode with Buzz Osborne from the Melvins. And uh, we're going to be bringing you a bunch of more content like this uh, from a lot of you know really influential people in the music scene coming up in the next few months. And like every week, I try to bring you guys something solid to listen to because I know there's a lot of you out there that listen to every episode, and I really appreciate it. I really love having you guys back week after week. It's really special for me to know that what I'm doing is getting out there and getting noticed and being able to talk to people that are heroes of mine and people that I really look up to. And, and uh, Dale is one of those people. And I'm so stoked for you guys to have this episode now in your library. And uh, big shout out to Monica again at Speakeasy PR for setting this up. She's been just a fantastic partner for me and has helped me out leaps and bounds. And I really appreciate her. And I want to make sure that's out there. And uh, definitely check out her roster. She's a fantastic person and, and just does great work. Um, so anyways... We're going to wrap this episode up. I don't want to go too long here. I want to get everything on Adobe as well. Uh, but if the episode is on Adobe and it doesn't give you the full episode in the hour, uh, the full episode is up on iTunes, so don't forget to rate and subscribe. Tell a friend. Hit rockabilia.com up. And as always, we'll see you on the radio. Bowie, Dylan, Marley. 
You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.